Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Michael Delgado here from Good Dog's health standards and research team. This is Dental Health Month, and today to kick things off, we're going to talk with our own staff veterinarian, Dr. Nate Ritter, all about dentals and basic dental care for your dog. Welcome, Nate. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just start off with like, what can people expect as far as like basic care? You've got a dog. What do you need to know about their teeth and taking care of them? Yeah, it's a great place to start. And I think I always think of this with new puppy owners and the puppy visits when they first come in. But at that point, it's really about keeping them comfortable and safe. You know, as those teeth come in, teething can be quite uncomfortable. And the thing that people often reach towards are the hard toys to try and alleviate some of that discomfort. But unfortunately, baby teeth, deciduous teeth can be quite fragile. And, you know, I had my fair share of fractures as a result of inappropriate toys. And so we want to be really careful. I always recommended plush toys until those permanent teeth came in. And during that time as well, you know, we're not as worried about cleaning those teeth. Those teeth are going to be falling out, usually around six months of age or so. All those teeth should be falling out. But we want to make them comfortable so that we can brush their teeth later on. So it's more so about introducing, you know, whether it be a finger, the toothpaste, the brush, just to get them used to that, not necessarily cleaning those teeth, but making them comfortable so that when we're really going to focus on brushing those teeth after that, you know, six month mark or so when those permanent teeth come in, you know, that's when we want to start doing the preventative care at home. Dog-specific toothpaste should be used, an extra soft bristle toothbrush, you know, pediatric toothbrush or a finger brush. Once a day is usually my recommendation, at least four times a week if we're going to be successful. That's because the plaque that builds up, it can calcify, become calculus tartar, and that can happen in as little as, you know, 48 hours. So we really need to do that every day is the recommendation. And then, yeah, keeping up with the toothbrushing. There are other ways, you know, dry dog food can be very helpful with keeping the teeth clean. There are a variety of products. I always recommended people go to the Veterinary Oral Health Council site. It's a site where veterinary dentists recommend products and it's constantly being updated and has a whole lot of helpful information there if people are looking for treats or chews or what have you that are appropriate to keep up with dental health. Okay. I want to rewind just a second because you brought up something. So you mentioned the deciduous or more commonly known as baby teeth falling out. You said by six months, they should have fallen out. When do they start teething? Like when should dog owners or puppy owners start looking for that teething behavior and what would they be looking for? Yeah. So I would say maybe even as early as it's hard. Two weeks, the teeth can come in and be uncomfortable. And I think it's really the crying. It's the upset. They're constantly trying to use their mouths. And so we just need to be diligent there to ensure that we provide something that's not going to fracture those teeth, but can provide them some comfort. Okay, great. Thanks. And then what would we be looking for? Like, does my dog have a fractured tooth or is my dog teething or, you know, like what would be the signs of discomfort that we should be looking for? Yeah, so it's a good question. And it doesn't necessarily just relate to fractured teeth, but that's usually when we're using maybe a toy or what have you that's inappropriate. And it's a cute traumatic incident where the dog will yell out or you appreciate some blood. Blood can be normal in small amounts with teething, but you know, more so of an amount. But relating to dental disease as well, not just with the fracture, 
you know, if they're picking up and dropping food, if they're pawing at their mouth, if there's excessive drooling going on, halitosis, so a malodor or, you know, a bad smell that you can appreciate. Uh, there are a variety of signs. Halitosis is just a fancy word for bad breath, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also appreciate it by looking. You know, I always like people to take a look at their dog's mouth like once a week or so. I mean, if you're brushing their teeth every day, which is the recommendation, you're probably taking a good look in there as well. But once a week, you know, taking a good look to try and appreciate any fracture or disease or what have you. And that disease often looks like gingivitis, inflammation of the gum. So a dark reddening on that pink gum, calculus or tartar buildup on those teeth. And then, you know, the fractures is you can compare it to other teeth to see if that confirmation looks appropriate. But if it looks like you appreciate something, you can always feel free to, you know, snap a picture and send that to your veterinarian and discuss with them. Okay. And would you say that there's always signs of dental disease? Or is it possible that your dog has problems and you may not even realize it until you take them to the veterinarian? Yeah. So it's, it's a great point. And it's, it's something that we'll get to, I'm sure, when we talk about the dental cleanings. But yes, there can certainly be a disease that isn't appreciated with the naked eye, gross disease. And there are a variety of diagnostic tools that we can use to try to see if we appreciate anything like that. But I would say oftentimes that it starts with, you know, when you bring your dog in to the vet for the annual visit or puppy visits or what have you, they're going to examine their mouth every time. And that's they're looking for that gross visual disease. And then we make plans accordingly based on what we appreciate. Okay. When people bring their dog in for a regular checkup, is it possible that they'll do dental x-rays to look for problems or? Yeah, so not during a regular checkup. Okay. So most oftentimes, you know, that's done prior to a cleaning and we'll definitely touch on that. Okay. And it's a really important step and that makes it really difficult to make estimates for what the procedure may cost, how sure. long it may cost, but it's something that's definitely necessary. And I know, you know, when we go to the dentist, it's often recommended that we have that performed. The easy thing for us is we understand what's happening to us. You know, we're happy to sit in the chair, have those x-rays taken. Animals, not so much. A very sure. difficult place to radiograph. And so it needs to be done with them very still. Yeah. I don't know that I sit very happily for my dental x-rays, but <laughs> I do sit for them. In a future podcast, we're going to touch more on the specifics of toothbrushing and how to make it not scary for your pet. But even if you brush your dog's teeth a couple times a week, obviously that's not a guarantee that they're never going to need additional dental care. So what happens where dogs still need to get a dental? Is this more than toothbrushing can necessarily address for some dogs? So some dogs, you may not even necessarily need to brush their teeth and they may do just fine. Other dogs, you may be brushing them twice a day and disease can still come about. I mean, it depends, you know, I would say smaller breed dogs are more predisposed, you know, that bunching of those teeth, more accumulation of plaque predisposes them to that. But yes, if you come in and it's appreciated during an exam with your veterinarian, you know, there's four grades of dental disease, one through four. Okay. One is inflammation of the gum, as we discussed earlier, gingivitis, grade two, less than 25%, grade three, 25 to 50%, and grade four being above 50% loss. So you assess the mouth. If you appreciate that, it's often like I discussed earlier, a visual appreciation of calculus or inflammation of the gum. I mean, if it gets to a point where you believe that necessary to be done and you would set up a dental cleaning. So like you mentioned, this isn't something that can be done in a checkup appointment. It's a procedure. So often scheduled on someone's surgery day and kind of the process, we can walk through it. So when you have that scheduled, the plan is, you know, you're going to bring in your animal. You should fast them overnight because you have a surgical procedure. When you drop them off, usually early morning, you do a pre-surgical exam, physical exam, really close auscultation, listening to the chest. 
usually pre-anesthetic blood work to determine if they're a suitable surgical candidate. And then depending on their age or comorbidities, what may be going on, additional testing may be necessary. But if everything looks good and you deem them an appropriate surgical candidate, and then you move forward with anesthesia. So you would give them pre-meds, make them comfortable, quiet. You would then induce them, intubate them, and then put them under general anesthesia. And that is when usually you can start with chipping off some of that gross calculus, depending on how much there is within extracting forceps. And then you would put them under, as you mentioned before, for the radiographs. So that's the first step to this. And like I mentioned, it relates back to an estimate for the time or the cost of the procedure. You don't know because you can't appreciate everything (laughs) exactly below the gum line. Um, So once you get those images, that's usually when then we'll contact the client again to let them know this is what we're appreciating. These are the amount of teeth that may come out. This is how it impacts the estimate and the time. Can you speak to what you're looking for on those x-rays? Yeah, so it's a bunch of different views and you're looking for root health, I would say. Okay the majority of the time and looking for abnormalities there. And so if you appreciate something like that, that's when you can decide whether those teeth may need to be extracted. And like I mentioned, it impacts the time of the procedure, the cost of the procedure. Usually what we would do is we would call and get approval to have those removed. But within, you know, our surgical paperwork, when the animals dropped off, if we weren't able to get in touch with the client, we would usually have their permission because of them signing the form just to go ahead and do that. But we'd always try to discuss with them depending on how many teeth need to be taken out. Then what you would do, you know, is move forward with cleaning up the teeth, depending, let's say for an example, we don't need any extractions. Everything looks good. You know, you go in and you rinse the mouth with an aseptic solution and then you use an ultrasonic scaler. Okay. So this tool vibrates, you remove the calculus it has water that comes out at the same time to help cool the device. You want to move it across the teeth, not staying in one place for too long, so it can overheat, damage the tooth. And calculus is just like the buildup of minerals and plaque? Exactly. Or, okay. Yeah, so plaque over time can calcify okay. and becomes calculus. And so the plaque is a biofilm, not a food residue, but a biofilm that can accumulate if we're not brushing those teeth consistently. Okay. And the calculus can build up over time, and it's not smooth like our teeth should be. And so that creates an environment for more and more plaque to adhere to calcify more and more. So we want to remove that. After that time, we would get a curette to go underneath the gum line, a little metal hook, if you will. Okay. Because the scaler can't go beneath the gum to clean beneath the gum line. We use probes to go in and see if there's any pocketing underneath the gum that you can't appreciate visually. And then at that point, that's when we polish the teeth, clean them up nice and smooth to try and ensure that we don't have any buildup of the plaque. And then we would apply most oftentimes a a sealant that goes along the gum line. It's functional for about six months or so. Also works to try and decrease the adherence of plaque. Okay. Sounds pretty similar to my last dentist appointment for myself. (laughs) So pretty standard, right? You clean the teeth, you get under the gum, you like get them all polished and shiny. Exactly. Okay. And then... How long are we talking about this procedure taking? Are we talking like 20 minutes, two hours? I know, of course, with extractions, it can vary, but what's the reasonable expectation? Yeah, so it depends also on the animal's pre-meds, how long it takes them to be anesthetized, how long Mm -hmm. it takes to take the images, what have you. But I would say if we have a mouth where we're not doing any extractions, we're just cleaning maybe about an hour or so. Okay. With extractions, it can certainly increase the time. And that impacts what we do after the fact. So you know, we often administer along with the pre-meds, anti-inflammatories, 
sometimes anti-nausea, sometimes antibiotics, depending on how that goes through the procedure, what you may need to give afterwards as well. And so, yeah, those extractions depends even on the teeth and their current state. So if they're very diseased, sometimes you can pop them right out with your finger, not even necessarily needing to implement any tools. Okay. But other times that isn't the case. And so when you look at some of the teeth, you know, when we're talking about incisors and canines as their single root, um, when you move back to the premolars and molars, there's multiple roots there. So sometimes you need to cut into those teeth to separate the different roots. Those extractions take much longer. So the time really does vary depending on the teeth that you're removing if needed. And yeah, so I think, you know, starting at that hour point, if we're just cleaning, which is the ideal situation and add on time from there, depending on what teeth need to be taken out and how many. Okay. So pretty involved. It definitely can be. (laughs) It's very satisfying to go through it and see those teeth afterwards and appreciate how comfortable the animals are afterwards too. I mean, when you have those really diseased mouths, when you can get in there and make that difference, it's a great thing. And the only other thing I'll talk about, and I know we talked about it previously with the deciduous teeth, sometimes those can be retained. And if that's the fact, you know, after that six month mark or so, when we say, okay, they really should have fallen out by now, sometimes you need to go in there and have those removed. I usually like to tack them on depending on the time of a spay or neuter, since Mm -hmm. they'll be going under anesthesia anyway, but adding that procedure on. Those are actually difficult teeth to remove. Most commonly, the ones that are retained are the canines. So they sit right behind the permanent ones. But they're difficult to remove because they're healthy teeth. There's no disease there to really get in there and pull them out easily. But you want to do that to avoid crowding and changing in the conformation of that teeth. So that can also be something that needs to be done, obviously, on the younger animals, not relating to a normal dental procedure. And since those are not considered permanent teeth, like, do they still have the same root structure? Are they attached in the same way? They are. And so you want them to be, usually the normal teeth come in, they push those out when they come in a different space, they can be retained. And yeah, the ones that I saw most commonly, like I said, were the canines, but also some of the incisors can often, that can be the same case. So it's a little bit more difficult. You need to be very gentle, ensure with extractions that you remove the entirety of the tooth. And oftentimes, not so much with deciduous teeth, if you have the entirety of the root, you can feel pretty confident. But when you have a diseased tooth and you're going in to extract, oftentimes we take images after the fact as well to to make sure that the entirety of the tooth was removed appropriately. Did people ever ask to keep their dog's teeth? (laughs) Like I said, it can be very satisfying. And so what we tried to do during procedures is take the before and after pictures like you see on commercials. And I wouldn't say that people ask for the teeth. We would keep them if they would like them for far more than just teeth. (laughs) <laughs> You'd be surprised by what people wanted to keep. <laughs> but I think the before and after pictures, people really appreciated. And then, of course, throughout the whole thing, these animals are being monitored. I know a huge concern is anesthesia, but yep. it is really quite safe, especially if you're doing, like we discussed before, the appropriate exams and appropriate diagnostics to ensure they're suitable candidates. And so they're being monitored throughout the procedure. And additionally, right. you're charting this information so that you have that can be passed along if you change veterinarians, need a procedure in the future what have you, all that information was noted in the paperwork. Okay, which I think brings up a really important question. I don't hear about it as much, but I think there was a time where you just saw a lot about anesthesia-free dental cleaning. I'm sure they still are out there. Can we just touch on some of the problems that can come up with anesthesia-free dentals? Yeah, so it's a great question. It's not something that I would recommend and for some of the reasons that we talked about today. And so with anesthesia, what we really want to focus on, we, like I said, with the cleanings, we start first and foremost with those radiographs. You're not able to take those if the animals aren't anesthetized. 
And so that really gives you a plan for what you may need to do in that particular mouth or animal. Additionally, you know, you want to make sure they're comfortable. I mean, a lot of the things we're doing, like you said, may not happily sit in the chair, but you know, these things aren't comfortable. Even if you're just cleaning, extracting those absolutely need to be done under anesthesia, but you can certainly make it uncomfortable without that. And so, you know, appropriate pain control is really necessary as well. And so to do an appropriate cleaning, unfortunately, the animal does need to be anesthetized. I understand people's concerns with that. I've discussed that with your veterinarian. It is quite safe if all the appropriate steps are taken. I think the anesthetic death risk from something like it's like one in 10,000. So it's not nothing, but it's very, very, very small. Yeah. And it's something that you can discuss with your veterinarian to ensure you're comfortable. Okay. Say your dog's got their dental, they're done, their teeth are nice and sparkly clean. They're coming off their anesthesia. When can they go home and what kind of aftercare are we talking about? So we recover them, make sure they're mentally appropriate before going home. So they're consistently checked on in the clinic. And then once they are mentally appropriate, you know, give the owners a call and we send them home. It depends what was done to them, depending on what they go home with. Most oftentimes, if it's just uh, cleaning, you know, may be nothing. But if there were things done, extractions, what have you, antibiotics, anti-inflammatories may be necessary. Depending on what was done, you know, they may need to be on soft food for a little while. You should also keep an eye out, you know, some blood, like we kind of discussed before, similar to teething, it can be okay, depending on what was done, but a significant amount, you should probably contact your vet. And the sutures that can be used after extraction, those will dissolve in the mouth over time. So you don't necessarily need to go back. That would be a very difficult area to have to go back into and take those sutures out. So it's just monitoring them to ensure that they're comfortable, you know, soft food until they heal appropriately. But a lot of the animals do quite well. Okay. Do dogs get cavities? (laughs) Yes, they can certainly get disease within their teeth. The root canals and such, they're not always done in animals. And so I would say the most common things that are done, it's cleaning and then extracting diseased teeth if that needs to be done. So that bone that makes up the teeth can certainly become diseased and may need to be extracted appropriately. There are, I guess, a variety of procedures that can be done, but those are most often done with veterinary dentists in particular circumstances. Okay. All right. So I think there's a little disdain for dentals because like you said, you know, we don't know how much they're going to cost when you're signing the dotted line to say, yes, I will approve this. But obviously not doing the dental can have other impacts on dog's health. It's not just about their teeth. Let's talk about some of the ramifications beyond your dog's teeth are gross or they have bad breath, but it's like part of their entire body and relates to other aspects of their health, right? No, it definitely can. And so I think, yeah, just on top of maybe your discomfort with it as it relates to how they look or how it smells, but, you know, their comfort and their quality of life with their mouth. And then additionally, like you mentioned, so that bacteria that accumulates in the mouth, you know, it's swallowed, it can enter the bloodstream, transmit it Mm -hmm. to other organs. So the ones that we're most concerned about when it relates to teeth, you know, the filtering organs. So we're talking about liver, kidneys, and heart as well. That's something that it's a similar type of bacteria that can be present. And so it's something that can certainly impact the animal systemically, not just in the mouth. So it really is important to pursue if recommended. And like you mentioned, the cost can be more than other procedures because of the anesthesia that's involved, but it really, it's important to be done if it's recommended by your physician. Okay. And on that note, Hopefully you don't have to have dentals all the time for your dog, but what can people do to maybe decrease the number of dentals or just keep their dog's teeth healthy between veterinary visits? Hopefully reducing the need for dentals, although I know that there's no guarantees. 
there's no magic bullet, right? Right. Unfortunately, there isn't. You know, I have animals, like I mentioned before, my dog has never needed it, but we had animals in the clinic that would need them every year. Okay. And so, yes, to keep them healthy in between appointments, it really depends on your animal. And I know you'll touch on it in future podcasts, but depending on how well they do with toothbrushing, I would really recommend that be done as long as they tolerate it. I never recommended it if they weren't comfortable and we weren't able to work them up to a comfortable place. But you can always include other things. So, you know, toothbrushing is the gold standard, but you can supplement and use it in addition if they do do well with the toothbrushing. But the treats, chews, there is water additives, there's particular diets, and there's a lot of different things. And like I said, the Veterinary Oral Health Council, VOHC, is something that I would really recommend people look into to try and keep those teeth healthy in between the annuals. And like I said, it depends on the dog. I mean, I think you'd be a little more cognizant of this with smaller breed dogs, than larger breed dogs. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know your animal, so it's not always the case. They don't necessarily read the book, and you might need to take care as needed. If only they could brush their own teeth. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> so just to let people know, the VOHC, that stands for Veterinary Oral Health Council, and their website is vohc.org. It's a great resource for dental products for your pets. That's all of our questions for today. And just a reminder, this is Dental Health Month, so we will have future podcasts on different dental health topics. So come back to the Good Dog Pod in the near future for more on your dog's dental health. Dr. Nate Ritter, thank you so much for answering my questions about dogs' teeth. Thank you for having me. It was a great discussion. 